It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Well, it is impossible to ignore what's happening in the world and specifically in the United States. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad with you from 7 to 8 every weeknight. Always appreciate that you tune in. Obviously, the, the story continues to develop in the United States. President Trump spoke uh, a couple of hours ago. Quite frankly, he, he was, again, a complete disaster, both as a leader and a human being. But that'll probably be for other talk shows to delve in a little more than on this one. But over the last couple of, well, not just the last couple of weeks, but I think it got thrust back into the forefront uh, a couple of weeks ago. Akeem Alou wrote an article for the Players' Tribune called Hockey is Not for Everyone. Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks has uh, spoken out in the wake of George Floyd's death last week and a lot of former and current athletes are speaking up about racism and uh, their experiences and we do want to talk a little hockey with one of these gentlemen as well because he's very well spoken he's from the nhl network used to play goal in the nhl please welcome back to the show kevin weeks kevin you're on with reed how are you doing great everything is is good interesting times very challenging times but all that said everybody's healthy in our family um you know here in the states and Back in Toronto and out in Alberta and everything, everybody's doing well. So that's good. That's the most, and back in Barbados. So that's the most important thing. Yeah, good, good stuff. Well, I, I definitely want to. I want to talk to you about that because I know you you have some views on that and you've expressed a, some stuff on on Twitter, and I think that's important. But l- let's start with hockey. I mean, look, um, there is a return to play plan. It, it is a plan. I guess we still have to see what happens with it, but. Kind of your uh, experience and thoughts last week as Bettman and Daly came out and, and confirmed a few things. Anything really stand out for you from what they said? Yeah, I liked it. I, I, what I liked about it is it gave some framework and, you know, at least a concrete framework. Now, some of that, when I say concrete framework, is at least it gave us some key points and some key components to what that could look like and nothing more important than the framework of the playoffs. So I think the expanded playoffs, the 24 teams with the play-in to get down to 16, I think it's awesome. It's going to be intriguing. It will really get a lot more hype from a lot of our fans and our great players. You know, we have a lot of the best players and a lot of best athletes, I should say, in the world of sports, especially given what they do on the ice uh, versus a regular playing surface. And I got friends in every league. So there's a lot to say about the great hockey players. And we can showcase more teams, more players. And our fans want to see more. And for our players, you know, it gives more players a chance to compete for a chance to win that Stanley Cup. And... I think it, I think that's the highlight of it for me is setting up this expanded tournament style in, which would then lead to the round of 16. So it kind of balances the creativity of uh, Commissioner Bettman and our NHLPA and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, but it also respects the integrity and the history of the tradition uh, that a lot of the Oilers fans up there know from from the dynasty years and also getting to that Stanley Cup final against the Carolina Hurricanes. So I think it does a great job of balancing both of those two things. Biggest challenge for a goaltender potentially coming back to a training camp that we still don't know exactly when it's going to start, probably after July 10th, and then jumping into games that 
aren't preseason games to tune up and ramp up your game. You're right into there into some very crucial contests. Biggest challenge for goaltenders who are going to be in that situation. I'd say the biggest challenge is for those goalies that haven't skated. Now, you know, for some of the goalies that are in Europe, they've been skating. Henrik Lundqvist has been skating for a large part of the time back in Sweden. Uh, from a Ranger standpoint, Shostyurkin has been skating in Russia. Georgiev has been skating in Russia. There's some other goalies that are European-born um, that have been able to skate in Europe because a lot of it has been open. Uh, there's some other guys here in North America, be it in uh, back in Canada or here in the States, that depending on where they are, they finally started skating, a couple of them or a few of them. But goalie and playing goal is such a feel-intuitive position. It's like golfing. I don't care if you're Tiger Woods, the greatest, or you're Phil Mickelson, who's one of the greatest he's ever played. In the event that you can't play or you don't play, you're never going to be quite as sharp. So I think that'll be very difficult for the goalies that haven't been able to skate as much as some that have. That'll be a challenge in terms of their reads, in terms of their uh, their timing, their spacing, their angles, all those different things that are very feel intuitive that come with playing. So you know, I've spoken to different goalie coaches around the league. Uh, specifically, I, I spoke to you know my good buddy who was my personal goalie coach, Sudzi Maharaj of the Anaheim Ducks. I talked to different goalies, Ryan Miller. I do my shows on Instagram, on IG Live, on Instagram Live at Kev Weeks and our NHL Network shows. So we've had different goalies on. I've had them on personally. We've had them on on the NHL Network. And just hearing from them and said goalie coaches, those will be the biggest challenges. And I think now for a lot of the goalie coaches, what they're going to try to do is in addition to your team practices, they're going to want to speak to the coaches and the head coaches and say, hey, listen, we need as many simulated game realistic drills for our goalies as possible. So look for that to be something that uh, some coaches try to add into the practice plan and goalie coaches will try to have their say so into the practice plan as well. Kevin Weeks joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Kevin, you, you mentioned off the top, it's it's an interesting time, no doubt about that. The world going through a pandemic, a lot of uh, a lot of pretty intense images coming out of the United States over the last mm. few days, uh, starting with uh, George Floyd's death in Minneapolis, and now protests across the country. You've expressed some some thoughts on on social media. Uh, let me start generally, mm. ju- just. You know, some athletes shy away from expressing themselves about social or political uh, issues. Um, was as an athlete, as an ex-athlete, I know you're a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Was that ever hard for you to to do that and thrust yourself out that way, or what is your approach to um, you know be, being feeling comfortable expressing yourselves in these situations? Great question. I mean, during my playing days, especially when I was earlier and younger. Um, and earlier in my career specifically, I was, I would really withhold from saying certain things because there was the fear of you're going to get blackballed or people are going to say you're a bad egg or you're a bad apple or whatever the case may be. And, or people would say, um, it's the race card. Like you're playing a, a game of cards at a table, so, so to speak. Uh, and sometimes, you know, people would be accurate in saying that in certain instances and quite often, more often than not, they wouldn't be, but all that to say, you know, for me, for my own personal and professional kind of experience through that, it was very interesting because growing up in Toronto, that wasn't a thing. And uh, so when I say it wasn't a thing, I mean from a hockey standpoint for us, my family, uh, my parents and my sister. You know, I played for the Toronto Red Wings AAA since I was eight. And Mike Pekka, who a lot of you up in Edmonton know, was my first captain. And Anson Carter, who a lot of you in Edmonton know, was on our team. 
uh, Jason Allison, who NHL fans would know, Brad Brown, and then so many other great players that I'm still friends with to this day, Dave Nemorowski, Mike Nemorowski, that didn't play. Well, Dave played a bit for Florida, but other players that I'm great friends with, Paula DeStazzi, Luigi Kelchi, one of my teammates who lives over in Germany now. We grew up together. So a lot of these guys are lifelong friends. And our team was the United Nations, so to speak. We had every different background, Ukrainian, Russian, Greek, Portuguese, Canadian, white. So that was my experience playing youth hockey, like minor hockey, as we say, back in Canada. But once I got to junior, I could start to see it changing a little bit in the OHL, where it started to become a bit of a factor at times, um, more than it will say insensitive things or um, the odd knucklehead fan say an epithet that they shouldn't or a player, opposing player, what have you. Uh, in the minors, in the American League, in the old IHL, it wasn't as much of a thing. And then at times in the NHL, for me and my experience, it was a thing. Like I had a banana thrown at me in, in Montreal in the Stanley Cup playoffs, playing at the Bell Center. After you know we lost an overtime game to Montreal in our second round in 2002 when I was with Carolina. And uh, you know those are the types of things. And then some things are a little bit more overt. Some things are a little bit more subtle. But nonetheless, you know, I don't care who you are. You know, those are the types of things where you should never have to experience them. You know, whether it's my mom at a grocery store, whether it's my parents at an airport back in Canada getting harassed, um, whether it was me getting harassed at an airport back in Canada, whether it was, you know, I bought my first car, <laughs> my first year in the American League. I bought my first car car. I say my real car because uh, my first car I bought for 1200 bucks uh, after working Craig Billington's goalie school before I went to junior after my second you're in junior, but and buying my first car, car down in Charlotte, North Carolina. I bought the car at Hendrick BMW, and a guy that I just mentioned, Dave Nemorowski. We, you know, we played minor hockey together. We played in the OHL together. We played with the Florida Panthers together. We're driving back from North Carolina. Literally left the dealership. We we're going to drive back home to Toronto, and I got pulled over. We got pulled over, I should say, by a state trooper. Like five minutes after owning the car. So you know, those are the types of things where those are the types of injustices where I don't care who you are, um, you know, what your background is. Your parents are Irish. They're, you know, indigenous, native Canadian or native American, uh, whatever. You're Italian, you're Greek, you're Russian. Your parents are Ukrainian. Whether you're in Airdrie or you're in Red Deer or you're in Calgary or you're in Vancouver, which I've seen and experienced, or you're in Toronto, which I've seen and experienced, going to the rink with my gear in my car as well. All these different places, I don't care who you are. You should never be subjected to that. And, and you should never be subjected to that on the basis of that. So, yes, COVID has been, you know, a huge epidemic or pandemic, excuse me, globally. But the racism and the injustice is something that's predated COVID. And it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. And, you know, it's, I, I've always said that there's so many great people. I just got off the phone with two superstar players in the NHL discussing this very topic that called me. And for the countless people that are supporters and that have been supporters and that are so positive and that have helped and actively are helping, there are so many more that through this now want to help and want to be a little bit more proactive to help. And, you know, it's, I really want to give those people a lot of credit and thank a lot of them and the knuckleheads that are out there. We hope to be able to have them brought to justice and or removed from positions of influence or power. And I'll share something quick with you. I told you off the top, uh, that, you know, 
my girlfriend's from from Calgary. She's got family in Red Deer in Calgary and, you know, Whitehorse. And this past Christmas, we always split up Christmas between visiting her family out there and then visiting my family in Toronto. So during our Western Canada visit, we went out to, uh, we're out in Banff, and we went to spend some time with the great Glenn Sather and his lovely wife, Anne, who a lot of the Oilers fans would know, the architect of the Oilers and Hall of Famer. And he was our GM with the New York, with the New York Rangers, excuse me. So we went to go visit Slats, as he's known, and uh, spent some time at their home there before going to dinner in Banff. And he's always been a huge advocate, always, from long before I played for him at the Rangers. But he's always been a huge advocate of just the best players in the world. I think if, you know, for a lot of you Oilers fans, you know, whether it's the great Grant Fuhrer to, you know, Anson, who was a really good player there, to Mike Greer, who was a really good player, to Sean Brown, to, you know, I can go up and down the roster, Jujar Kara now. One thing I'll say about the Oilers from Slats' era till now is, you know, for the most part, they've always had players of color or European players or players from all around the world. And I, that's really a testament to that organization. It really is. Kevin, th- th- thanks for that. I mean, thanks for sharing some of your experiences. And I guess, you know, I'm wondering where where do we go from here? I mean, obviously, mm. like I said, it's pretty extreme what we're seeing in the United States over the last week or so. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. A couple of hockey players have have spoken out recently. Akeem Alou, Evander Kane has had some thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and clearly you mentioned there are some pretty overt, nasty mm-hmm. cases and, and, and knuckleheads. Um, and, you know, I'm hearing the word casual racism used used a lot too. I, I'd like to believe most people don't wake up in the morning and say they're going to do something racist. I, I, I hope. Um, so where do we go from here as, as people in the sporting community and, and people of the world? I think the biggest thing is just, you know, basic common courtesy. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be raised by two great parents and um, my mom and dad, and you know, have aunt, quality aunts and uncles and people that were around me and cousins and, you know, my sister, et cetera, and be raised by great people. I was very fortunate in that. And just to kind of put it in perspective, like my parents, when my aunt and uncle first emigrated from Barbados to London, then Canada, and then my mom came shortly thereafter. My mom went back to Barbados, her and my dad got married, and then they were coming back to Canada. My dad didn't even want to come at the time. And he was working on a plantation, Applewitz Plantation, on his own island, and he didn't want to come to Canada. So, and then when he came, you know, he's loved it. My parents love it. Canada's home for them. You know, they go back and visit Barbados, but they see Canada as being home. And a lot of that is just based on open-mindedness and, you know, common courtesy and old world values and treating people with decency and treating people with respect and, you know, understanding that good is good and bad's bad and good people are good people and treating them that way just with a fundamental human decency. And, you know, my parents never wanted me to only have Caribbean players in front of me as defensemen or a Caribbean center iceman or a Caribbean head coach. I wasn't raised like that. They just wanted the best people, you know, the best players, the best people. So, you know, it's pretty interesting how if people can kind of get outside of themselves and realize that, you know, anybody can bring good value and there's, with everybody, nobody's kids matter more. You know, I, sometimes I hear people, they're like, oh, well, it's Caleb and it's uh, Chloe and this and that. It, it, listen, okay, it's cool. You always love your own children. But at the same time, they're not entitled to more things than children A or child B or child C. And whether you're playing in the brick tournament out there um, at the West Edmonton Mall, or whether you're playing in the Kamloops Bantam tournament or you're playing in freaking Calgary Max Max Midget tournament. Whether you're playing, I played in two of those. 
or you're playing the Quebec Pee Wee tournament. Like treat the kids with respect, treat the parents with respect and don't marginalize people based on where they come from or where they don't come from or how many vowels are in their last name. And I know that, you know, sometimes it's a geographical thing too. And I've been on the wrong side of this and it's interesting. Now, I remember when I first started doing games for Hockey Night in Canada and I was doing games out West in addition to being on the NHL network Monday through Thursday, I had some people and the majority of the people were so supportive, but I had some people like, what does this guy know about hockey in the West? Why is he out here? He's not from the West. I'm like, are you real? Do you guys play with a different puck out there? Because I just finished playing in the league. And anytime we played at Rexall or we played at the Dome or we played in Van, it was always a black puck and white ice. Like, it's never changed. <laughs> so it, as fate would have it, and this is how I talk about being open-minded, you know, little did I know that, you know, my, my, uh, my spouse and my girlfriend now would, little did I know that she would be from Alberta and have family there and have family in Whitehorse and, you know, I'd be driving up and down Highway 1 and going to the Stampede and, and the rest of it. So it's just interesting how, as I said, with that open-mindedness, I think that's what people need to start with. And, you know, not feel that they're above or beneath anybody because I think that's really important. And whether you're from, uh, you know, a farm community in Alberta, you work in ONG, whatever it is, doesn't make you any more, doesn't make you any less. You know, hard-working people are hard-working people and good people are good people no matter where they're from. And I think that's... That open-mindedness has allowed, you know, my sister and I, and specific to me and my own kind of experience, my family's experience, that's taken me all over the world through this great game. I think it's the greatest game in the world. But, you know, we don't like Wayne Gretzky any less because he's Polish-Canadian. You know what I mean? He's not any less of a player. And he's not any more of a player. He's a, he's the great one because he was great. And he is as great a person as he is a player. And he's the greatest one that ever lived. So we can't judge that based on you know, him being from Brantford or being Polish-Canadian or not. Kevin, as always, very well said. I know you got a busy day. Thank you very much for hopping on Inside Sports and all the best, and let's do this again down the road. Really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, man, and thanks to all the, uh, all the fans out there in Berta. Hope you're staying positive. And uh, I know it's a tough time now in the ONG, the oil and gas, but as I always say, you've been entrepreneurs and you've done a lot of great things. And you've already been able to do that in oil and gas and other sectors. So just continue expanding that, whether data, tech, innovation, whatever it is, use that entrepreneurial spirit to continue doing great things. And thanks for being NHL fans as well. Yeah, thanks for coming on tonight, Kevin. Really good stuff there from Kevin Weeks, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL Network. Uh, really well-spoken and a really sharp perspective about some of his experiences. Your perspective is welcome as well. Call or text 780-496-0063. Back after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right.
really good to catch up with Kevin Weeks. Uh, outstanding perspective on uh, racism and some of the unrest hitting. Well, I mean, it's uh, obviously most visible in the United States, but we all know that I think we deal with racism all over the world. And he talked about how what some of the things he dealt with in his uh, in his hockey career and how he thinks we can move through this and hopefully come out of this a little bit stronger. Morley Scott is coming up after the 7.30 news, a gentleman I have not seen in, uh, I don't even know when the last time was I saw I saw Morley. Almost three months, I guess. Uh, he's been broadcasting from home as of I. We'll talk about some CFL story. <laughs> Well, that guitar intro lifts my spirits a little bit on a day where I'm finding it pretty hard to be upbeat. I want to tell you, I really appreciate you tuning in tonight. And I mean that when I say that. And I, I probably say that every show. And, and I, I truly mean that. I appreciate that you listen. And, and I appreciate that there hopefully is some connection and hopefully something that makes this show worth listening to you, whether it's uh, for five minutes or for the full hour or whenever we get back to two hours, it's, it's for two hours. And I, I you know there are regular textures we have, regular callers, and you do feel a little bit as a host that you get to know people a little bit through their personalities and how they express themselves. So I really do appreciate that, that you listen, and, and there's something about this show that, that makes you want to tune in. And the, the reason I, I say that tonight is because I, I am experiencing a feeling today, and, and I, I'm going to apologize in advance because, you know, I, I'm going to open up a little bit here. I don't do this a lot, and I'm not doing this for sympathy or to make this about me or anything. I, I just feel like I need to say it. And what I need to say is, is that my feeling getting ready to do the show today was that I do not know what the hell I am doing. And I don't have that feeling very often, especially as I've gotten later into my broadcasting career, and I've been doing this over 20 years now. It may not always seem like it, but trust me, when I'm going on air for any length of time, I have a plan in my head and how I want it to sound and how I think it's going to sound if I execute the plan. Now, I don't always execute it, but I know what I want to do. And as I was getting ready for tonight's show, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. When the pandemic started and hockey got placed into pause and all the sports went away, I, I opened that show by saying that I am here for you. We're going to do inside sports. We're going to cover the relevant sports topics of the day. We're hopefully going to have on some entertaining segments and guests that might make you smile or hear a good story from the sports world or maybe from outside the sports world and that maybe will be, you know, a little bit of a reprieve from everything that's going on and a place where, and, and I said this and a few people took me up on it. I said, if you want to talk, you can call in, you can text in, let me know how you're doing what you're missing about sports, how things have changed for you, that, you know, you can bounce that off me. And I still want to do that and be that, but but I'm struggling today. Kevin Weeks was was really good. 
that that's relevant information and and we're sitting here going through the this pandemic that's making millions of people sick and and killing people and that's not even the top story today because of what we're seeing in the United States and and I'm sitting here thinking and I here here's part of my my problem you know I I'm, I'm a bit of a pleaser like I like to make people happy I, I like to think you know maybe somebody had a positive interaction with me whether it's on air or in person and I, and I feel like regardless of what, what I feel like regardless of what I do tonight it's going to be the wrong thing because maybe you are tuning in for the sports story of the day and you want a refuge from all the crappy news in the world. And I feel like maybe that's not the appropriate show to do, but I also feel like maybe just bantering about sports also is not an appropriate thing to do. So that's why I spend most of the day feeling like I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So that's all I can tell you. Uh, I thought Kevin Weeks was great. And in the spirit of touching on what's going on in the sports world or what's not going in the, gone in the sports world, I am going to welcome back to the show one of my best friends in the world of broadcasting, <laughs> a colleague for a decade at 630 Chad, Eskimos play-by-play voice, Morley Scott. Hey, Morley, how are you doing? Just in the world of broadcasting, Reed. Can, can't we be friends outside of the radio station, well, too? Well, we are. I don't, I don't know a lot of people out of broadcasting. That's my, that's my problem. Okay. Uh, that was all, what you said, was all well said, and, and I think people have to remember, and, and you have to remember, too, you're there, as you said, to kind of for people to get away from it, but some things get so big that we can't, nor should we, get away from it, right? Um, what's going on now is, is more important than a lot of things that we'll ever see in our lifetime, I think. And uh, it's important to uh, make sure you, you kind of keep your thumb on the pulse of what's going on and, and not lose track of things and don't get away from it and other things and don't let your mind wander and get away from it because this what's happening now is so very important and I, I, I'm at a loss for words to talk about it most times Reed I'm, I'm kind of like you I don't know I feel kind of inadequate to talk about it because I don't know the struggles I don't know what has happened and, and but I see the anger and I see the 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 heartbreak and I see uh, the the distrust and it, it's just it just troubles me that it's been going on for so long and all the people in the world can't figure out a way to stop it. Yeah, thanks for that, Morley. Okay, let's let's talk about, uh, and we're going to get to your interview with Pinball Clemens before the end yeah. of the show tonight too, because he, uh, you know, it, it, I, I mean, such an energetic guy, and to hear how he's affected like this, uh, mm-hmm. that was that was a pretty big slap as well. You got to talk to the commissioner last week of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrosi. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I heard the interview. We played some of the key clips on the show. What? Can you sort of sum up, though, okay, so, you know, we, we do the interviews, we ask relevant questions, but but as broadcasters, as media people, we always kind of have that gut impression, that gut feeling after the interview. What was yours more than Well, my impression was, and Randy Ambrosi's an extremely positive person, and he always looks for the positive side of things, and he's trying to do that through this pandemic. Uh, but I got the impression is, 
he's tried everything he possibly can to get this thing going and to do the right thing because so many people's livelihoods so many people so many people you know rely on it for entertainment whatever the case may be uh he's trying to get it on track but uh, i think he knows it's going to be very very difficult to get to the point where we all want to get to whether that be in september or earlier or later or whatever the case may be uh he's trying but i got the impression deep down in his heart he knows this is going to be an extremely difficult thing to pull off there's so many different moving parts and the CFL is so different from the NHL and those are the two ones we talk about most around here because those are our teams right in this city and and I mean the NHL can do it in empty buildings with their TV contract sure they're not gonna lose they're gonna probably lose money or not make as much money but the CFL it, it's devastating for them not to play in front of fans because they don't have that big TV contract they need people buying tickets to make their their business model successful they can still be entertaining on the field they can still put together a good product but the business model needs people in the stands and i think that's one of the biggest problems he's wrestling with is how to make it happen that way and he he, he said to me when he he said that we're trying to figure out how to social distancingly get fans into the stands and and whether that be you know with you know six seats between every household or whatever the case may be they're trying to figure out a way to do that so that they can at least put some positive revenue in the bank through all this while they play uh the hub cities model is even tougher for um uh, the cfl as well um because you know it's it's probably the best way to go but you're talking the nba has how many guys on their roster they have what about 14 or 15 i think i'm not yeah, sure usually 12 to 15 depending yeah, on the team yeah uh, the nhl has has you know around 24 25 26 with some injured guys uh with with injured players on the cfl roster and and the practice where you're up over 50 players right closer closer to 60 so that's 60 people you have to house 60 people you have to feed all in that um uh hub city kind of scenario and that's expensive and when you're not bringing in revenue that's even more expensive and i think that's the issue that he's trying to deal with and trying to sort out somehow he's trying to be positive about it but i think deep down he knows it's going to be tough the the big takeaway for me from from the interview i had with randy ambrosi is that the board of governors has told him to find a drop dead date or as he referred to it a go or no go date uh, where they have to make a decision and say okay if we can't get this all in place by August 20th, then we're just going to have to shut it down for 2020 and start planning ahead for the next year. And that's not the date. I'm just picking a date off right. the hat. I'm, I'm, you know, they're going to have to have training camps. If they want to start September 1st, they're going to have to start training camps, you know, uh, with a, a week, 10 days, two weeks to go in the right. month of August. You're going to bring players across the border. If there's still a, a quarantine time in, so you're going to have to bring guys in in early August and house them and that. So, uh, you know, that to me is going to be around the date. They're going to have to make a decision. So, uh, yeah, it's I, I, it's I don't envy anybody who's putting together these plans. And we've seen the NHL plan and and ambrosi also said that he's watching that very carefully and trying to get ideas from the nhl from the nba from major league baseball that they're using to try and put into their plan but it's i it's i do not envy anybody who's had to put a, a, a return to play plan together because there's just so many moving parts and so many unknowns through it all Morley, whenever I talk about the Canadian Football League, I often get a note from a listener asking if they could do games on pay-per-view, and Gina has written about that tonight. I've, I've never gotten the sense that 
the CFL could do pay-per-view. I mean, I think this, the TSN would say we, we pay your, your broadcast money. We're not going to charge people over yeah. and above that. Is that the sense yeah, you get? Yeah, I, 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 that's the sense I get too. And also how many people who for years have been watching it for free are going to now start to pay for it right. in these times when there's so much unemployment and so much financial unrest in every household, it seems. I don't think that's, that's a way to go. There may be some kind of offshoot on that, but uh, not the actual games themselves. I don't think that could happen. Morley Scott joining us on an inside sports play-by-play voice for the uh, Edmonton Eskimos. Thanks for staying up late, by the way, to do this hit. I know you get up really early too. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. While you were t- while you were talking before I came on, you were talking about you know uh, you hope people listen. I, I was thinking I probably have different listening patterns to your show than most people do because I'm usually listening to your show at four in the morning. Um, it's uh, the, sh- <laughs> the show. The show is in my folder when I get into work, which is two doors, uh, one door down, about fourteen steps from my bedroom in my home, and the first thing I do is I put on Inside Sports from last night, and I, I listen to that while I start to get my morning put together for uh, morning sports with uh, with Chelsea and Shea on 6.30 Chid morning. So I probably have a little different listening patterns than most, but I am uh, always uh, try to catch uh, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins for sure. Well, that, that does mean a lot to me, and this is so <laughs> strange right now, and, and there's so much uncertainty. And seeing everything in the States today, and, and Stoffer and I talked about it on his show today, that is this going to rule out U.S. hub cities if this unrest continues? And, and we, we hope it certainly gets better in the next uh, two or three weeks. And God, Morley, like I almost hate to say this, but could sports not come back and it wouldn't be because of the pandemic? It would be because of everything else that's, that's going on in the United States. I mean, it's, everything just feels so unpredictable and so unknown, even more so today than it did a few days ago. Yeah, gosh, I hope that is not even close to a true statement, but you're right. It's got to be in the minds, I think, of everybody who's planning. I mean, um, just, uh, you know, and I, I saw somebody talking about it on Twitter already just last week after uh, after uh, it all started. I guess that takes Minneapolis or Minnesota out of the running for, for a hub city spot because of what's going on. And then it spread right across the country. And you got to think there might be something to that. But, oh, uh, I mean, the hub cities won't come into effect until probably late August. And I mean, it's the first of June today. I hope we're not still doing this in late August. Um, it's just if yeah, they got to, if they yeah, want to select them in three weeks, though, right? Like, that's, yeah, yeah, know. for sure. I hope we're not doing this in three weeks too. That's you know, yeah. uh, my goodness, uh, my goodness. I hope it doesn't come to that. But uh, yeah, it's got to be in the back of your mind for sure. All right, Morley, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, appreciate it. Good chat with Randy Ambrosi, and we'll have a uh, pretty emotional pinball Clemens coming up here in a couple of minutes. Thanks, man. All right. All right, and at 4 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'll probably just skip over this part of the show. That's okay yes, with you. you don't have to listen to your own interview, Morley. It's, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you lived it. You don't have to do that. All right, that is uh, Morley Scott checking in tonight. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Canadian Football League. They're, uh, they're in a tough spot, and uh, as Morley said, they're like actually most leagues need fans in the stands. It's, it's a, a, actually a very small number of leagues who can uh, survive or mostly survive on the on the tv deal all right yeah pinball clemens with morley very another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When we get back. Score in the National Hockey League. Leon Dreisettle, we heard from him on Friday. Hey, don't forget about 6.30, Chad, mornings tomorrow. The Full House Lottery early bird draw just a few days away. Charlene Rutherford will join 6.30, Chad, mornings at 8.05 a.m. to tell us all about how you can get involved. I re- Kel and I, I read that off a script. Not bad, eh? That's not bad. Right on? <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. I need a teleprompter. I should get a teleprompter installed in my spare bedroom here. So something. did you bother printing it off or was it just off your computer screen? No, no. I print up the lineup that Dave sends. So we, oh, got, okay. the guest, cool. so we got the guest list and then I got a little thing. I got a promo, the 630 Chad Mornings. Right. It's a good show. Chelsea and Shay are it's awesome. A, it's an awesome show. Everybody should listen to it. It's great. All right. We, uh, Morley Scott talked to CFL legend Pinball Clements. Here it is. The last week or so, it's it's been horrible what we've seen go on since uh, uh, the tragedy of last week. Uh, just touch for me on what the last week has uh, meant to you and how it's affected you. Uh, that's uh, um, a, a lot of depth in that question. Uh, what what torments me uh, most, and torments is a strong word, uh, but it was intentional. Uh, what torment, uh, torments me most is um, the level of uh, frustration, uh, the level uh, of um, uh, there, there is a a feeling seems of helplessness, of desperation, of uh, we tried everything, you know, what, what, what can we do, right? And uh, the, I, I think it was Marcus Garvey says, you know, how can I uh, be happy what I, what I have, to paraphrase, um, when I watch my brother struggle? Right. And, and uh, it, it is um, that feeling of like, you know, how, how, no one's listening. They're tone deaf. This is, you know, time and time and time again. When does it stop? And, and, and so, you know, that um, being able to sort of exercise a, a level of empathy, uh, you know, in trying to understand is, is, it's, it's been challenging, frustrating, uh, but also uplifting in the fact that um, at, at some point as you, you see uh, the rallies uh, occurring and you see so much more of the greater community involved, right? That's when the magic happens, right? Because then it goes from a protest to a movement. When everybody gets involved, when everybody uh, begins to understand that there's there's a, an issue here, there's a challenge here, and, and it's not just a group of people who are complaining, it goes then from uh, a protest to a movement, and that's what I've been encouraged by. 
Uh, the CFL has put out a statement. All the teams have put out statements. We've seen several players from all the teams putting out their thoughts online about it. And I guess that's the one thing that everyone has to accept right now. No one, we, we can't be silent about this anymore. People have to have to speak up. Mm, uh, many of many have said it, it in some way, but but uh, Martin Luther King uh, said that it, it is it is not um, uh, your the uh, um, those who you are um, who who are fighting against you uh, that's going to ultimately uh, be the thing that you uh, struggle with most. But the silence of your friends, right, is those who silently uh, go by and. So, so we really appreciate the the voices, all the voices, and everybody coming together, and and just saying yes, there is an issue, right? Um, the reality is, is the vast majority of people are good people. The vast majority of police officers are good officers. The bad officers give the good the good officers a bad reputation. They're the biggest challenge there. But I, you know, I think the 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 larger lesson um, in it that I hope we understand is that it's not about police, it's about culture, right? The reality is, is we have different experiences in stores, in restaurants, in education, in uh uh, in, in, in the health system, right? Uh, uh, we have different experiences in, in, in mul multiple uh, places, and, and all of that isn't coincidence. Um, that, that there is a bias, even if it's unconscious, right, that, that we need to deal with. Mm, uh, clearly going to be an interesting days, weeks, months, years ahead with this, isn't it? Yes. Indeed, indeed, and uh, you know, I, uh, I I appreciate the sensitivity um, uh, that so many have expressed, and I, I thank you for starting out with that today. Yeah, good stuff there with uh, Pinball Clemens. You all know him as a as a great football player and uh, a pretty pretty good guy, and uh, he has a, an interesting perspective. And obviously, we're we're moving through a lot of a, a lot of difficult stuff. I think it's important to to listen to each other and to, to try to understand where other people are coming from. I, I think you all know this. I mean, I don't want to get uh, a preacher or anything, but to, uh, hey, you know, sometimes we got we to gotta take a deep breath and uh, we got to try to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes or at least listen to what it's like to, to wear their shoes for a little bit. A lot of scary stuff going on in the world, but we're going to get through it. And we're going to continue to be here on Inside Sports. I do appreciate the text messages to 780-496-0063. We're back 7 to 8 tomorrow night or oh, tomorrow's kelly rudy day kelly's going to do a couple of more weeks and then will rejoin us whenever hockey starts again which uh, which could be in august maybe it'll be a little bit later than that and uh, i think we've got a special guest lined up i don't i don't want to say it yet though because we're getting there we're probably a little more of a fun one which will be cool okay thanks to dave campbell he's the producer of inside sports kellen kennedy is your intrepid studio producer. Kellen, hope you've had a good day, buddy. I know you're working hard. You're doing great. Working hard, keeping everything on air. Life is groovy right now, man. Let's keep it uh, keep it going, keep it rocking. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. We got Adler coming up next. My name is Reed. See ya.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.